0: Hey Kansas City, welcome to episode 56 of the Made in KC podcast. Today is the 107th day since Kansas City, Missouri's stay-at-home order was announced. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today we'll be talking about the future of the retail industry. Well, good afternoon. (laughs) It
1: is hot outside. I think today's the first day. I went outside and just absolutely felt miserable upon exiting an air conditioning space.
0: I've felt miserable many, many days already.
2: Okay. <laughs> we had a 7.30 a.m. meeting this morning. Uh, it should be nice and cool. We sat out on a patio because it just feels safer than being in an enclosed space. And uh, by 45 minutes into it, I was completely drenched in sweat <laughs> and declared that I do not like summer anymore uh, and prefer cooler weather. But... Uh, If you get to go to the pool and hang out, like I think Jess and the kids are doing today, it's pretty enjoyable.
0: In addition to it being hot, we had a funny karma event happen this morning. I called three one one on a neighbor down in the crossroads who did some uh, activity that I think was done without a permit, and it's caused some problems, potentially a sinkhole, and it ended up in our building getting three citations.
2: (laughs) I, I opened the letter yesterday. I was like, "Who the hell called three one one on us?" I bet it was our a neighbor down here that I thought it might have been, and uh, so they started a war. And then uh, it turns out that Tyler said he's the one that called three one one. So, full I, circle.
0: So I spent this morning trying to explain to three one one that I was the one who called for a real problem, and we didn't need their ticky tack <laughs> problems reported back to us about our building. One of which was this this hole that we think is a sinkhole. And so that's what we called about, saying, hey, the sewer line wasn't hooked up correctly. It's creating this sinkhole. It's really dangerous, uh, bad for the foundation of the buildings. And they just wrote back that we now have a citation and and can be liable for, you know, a $1,000 fine and and more if we don't fill the hole that we reported. (coughs) So anyway. Good segue, though. That is uh,
2: one of the... Risks of being your own landlord, which we are down here in the crossroads. Uh, But on a broader scale, we're going to discuss (laughs) landlords, tenants, and retail at large on today's episode.
0: Yes, and one quick update. Uh, We closed out the pre-sale of our Black Lives Matter t-shirts. John Marzette, local DJ, friend, artist, illustrator, very talented guy, podcaster as well. Um, had created this really cool design had been putting it on merch as he does we reached out and said hey can we sell this and thanks to all of the made in kc customers supporters etc we sold 256 shirts uh, 30 totes and so we got we collected over $7000 for local black lives matter organizations that John highlighted so thanks to everyone who supported that the shirts will be coming out in the next week or two all right so diving into the retail world there's been a lot of news that we find really interesting. A uh, few, well, more than a few episodes ago, earlier on we laughed about how Starbucks sent this letter to all of their landlords saying, you know, we're we're not going to pay rent in full till the end of the year. And it seemed ridiculous when they sent this out in April or something. Well, Nordstrom has has recently pulled a Starbucks and they said that unless their revenues this year are 90% or more of last year's revenues, they too will not be paying rent in full and that they want to pay about half of their rent. Um, On a related note, Simon Malls, biggest mall owner in the U.S. sued Gap. Um, Restaurant closings continue. Brooks Brothers has declared bankruptcy. So we just kind of wanted to digest all of this retail news. We're in multiple different shopping centers, most of which have been pretty resilient, but some of our sister companies are in some malls as well, both outdoor shopping malls, indoor shopping malls. We've been walking a lot of spaces. And the number of closed-up shops or deserted shops is growing at a pretty frightening pace. So we just thought we'd kind of digest it all and discuss what the future of the retail industry looks like in the next couple of years.
2: Interesting note on uh, the Brooks Brothers that you brought up. They claim to be the oldest clothing retailer in the world. Uh, they say their first store was opened in 1818. Uh, and they dress presidents, including Abraham Lincoln. Um oh. But also JCPenney, who filed bankruptcy, one of the first large filings during this pandemic, uh, is one of the oldest retailers as well. And I forget their actual dates. But, uh, and again, these bankruptcies aren't the end of these companies. Uh, it's a restructuring of these companies. But it is crazy to think that this pandemic is heavy enough to be hitting these multi-hundred-year-old companies hard enough to uh, cause bankruptcies and restructurings and uh, of all the other things they've had to endure this one seems to be as as big as any potentially.
1: I do think that's really interesting, Thomas. As we're now, you know, very much, I feel in some ways we've gotten through the the worst of the pandemic, and that to a certain extent we've survived the shutdown orders. We're, we're operating again. We have the overwhelming majority of our staff back. But to think that these other businesses who have collectively gone through so many more historical events than we have as a company um, to see them folding or restructuring or just really hurting during this time really reminds reminds you of the just the gravity of the situation that we're still very much in
0: yeah we had one landlord who i mean it was meant in in the best way and i understood it but it was kind of funny And, and that person said to me so this is your guys's kind of uh first one right and i knew exactly what he was talking about and it was about you know going through some sort of tumultuous market-type event um, or a recession. And he was talking about how you know he's, he's weathered lots of them and a lot of good businesses come out stronger. And we certainly think we'll be one of those companies that come out stronger. But then I talked to other landlords or representatives of landlords who kind of uh, feel as lost and as scared as we do at times. And they're just saying, it's so crazy. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I have no idea how to renegotiate these leases or how to keep everyone afloat because we're, we're kind of all in this together. It's been interesting to see the, the wide range of reactions and how unprecedented it really is. I mean, to bring down so many retailers that have been in business for decades or hundreds of years.
2: Yeah, but on, to that point, I, do, I can't help but think that uh, I mean, there's very intelligent people in these companies or advisors or consultants uh, that are very potentially being opportunistic and saying if we would have filed bankruptcy amidst a normal climate, it would have been horrible press and it might have been the end of us. Uh, but now we, our name will be forgotten in a week when five more companies file bankruptcy. This is a chance for us to shed debt, shed locations, restructure, and do it all under this legal um, guise of bankruptcy and be better off for it in three or four years. So. Almost similar to the unemployment, uh, having the stimulus attached to it for the 600 bucks a week, I feel that there's a chance that um, some of these companies in another environment may not have filed bankruptcy uh, if it was just them that were impacted by some form of lower sales or something along those lines. Does that make sense?
0: And so you're saying people who, uh, some people have applied for unemployment who wouldn't have otherwise. Correct. Yeah.
2: And so now some companies are filing for bankruptcy who wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, Not to say they're not affected by this. No doubt that almost all retailers are, um, except for an e-commerce standpoint. But I do think the... Domino effect or strength in numbers, or some other saying that I'm not able to come up with right now, is going to have an effect on the amount of bankruptcies we see as people just all jump in together
0: and, and do this. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to a, a theme that we've talked about and something that we called out early on. You know, we said that we're going to see tons of bankruptcies and that it's going to take time for a lot of these to unfold. Shops need to get back open so that they could liquidate. Um, shops have tried to look at all of their options before declaring bankruptcy. I think some people thought, you know, maybe the EIDL or PPP or different debt funding options or raising capital uh, on open markets were different options for them. And now as these things kind of um, are seen all the way through, we're going to see more and more. And so as we've talked about, you know, what's, what's the most important thing to update people on or what's the most interesting, just as a lot of the information about um, the virus itself has shored up Existing information that we knew in the beginning a lot of this retail stuff is is kind of playing out the way that we had anticipated Uh, It's different though to anticipate it and then also to walk the mall or to walk the plaza and see Oh, man that closed up too and it's interesting to think about what different shopping centers are going to look like when their vacancy goes from a healthy 8% to a kind of scary 18% or even greater. Because I do think that we'll see at least a dozen shops in a place like the Plaza not uh, survive by the end of 2020 that we're here at the beginning of 2020. Yeah, I do think also in terms of taking that walk around different um, shopping centers
1: around Kansas City, I know for you know a couple of our locations that are more embedded in neighborhoods and, and less in um, more destination or touristy parts of town, there do seem to be less vacancies in those. Um, so more likely to be a locally owned restaurant or a locally owned shop in some of those smaller neighborhood settings. But then these bigger destination settings like a mall, like the Country Club Plaza, which is essentially a beautiful outdoor mall, um, the vacancies just seem to be... Um, you know, coming and coming. And I think that ties into some of the things that we've just noticed in the trends of retail. When push comes to shove, people really want to support their uh, local shop, their local restaurant, um, the business they've been going to for decades and maybe are, are less are less willing to step into that larger retailer. They feel like their dollar maybe doesn't have much impact in helping that business survive as they do spend a dollar, say, say elsewhere.
0: I agree with that sentiment in the way that I've experienced things, but then on the flip side, what's been interesting to read is that a lot of people are predicting that it'll be the independent restaurants that really struggle just because they don't have the capital structure, or the resources, whereas if you're part of a franchise or if you're just a bigger company, you have more access to different ways to finance things than a small company. You have more banks that will listen to you. You have a larger ability to get in rooms that an independent restaurateur might not get into. And the numbers that we've seen more recently uh, are pretty grim. It's, It's funny to read these numbers because I think that they're as good of a prediction as what we might come up with you know i don't know what they're looking at because we've seen that r- things that range really really widely about the number of restaurants that are going to close or the number of retail shops that are going to close but hopefully the independent ones do survive
2: i think the uh podcast we all listened to early on about the high-end restaurant in new york city uh had a really good thought In you know we're all kind of discussing the the fat trimming and then there was this massive wave of retail and restaurants and uh, i think that was a good thing it's sad to see anything that's not surviving but this will be a survival of the fittest process uh, but at the same time there's going to be a lot of vacancies and a lot of opportunity for new up-and-coming companies uh, which would be a really cool uh, byproduct of what's happening so he was talking about there will be a cooler better restaurant than us that comes out of this because you're going to get a dirt cheap lease on a restaurant that's full of equipment, full of all this other things that they couldn't have had otherwise that the landlord's like, we don't want to deal with it. I and mean, we just got a text moments ago um, from one of our landlords about, Hey, all this stuff was left here. You guys got any use for it. And so I think there will be some cool new companies that come along that potentially for the next, pandemic or whatever hits us will become a strong part of the retail economy and potentially will then uh, have to survive the next the next challenge that comes through and it'll be a yeah the whole the whole uh, analogy of the the burnt fire uh forest brings
0: new new plants type of thing
1: <laughs> there's a, another one of uh, thomas's sayings so we need to write that oh, I one nailed, down I nailed that. <laughs>
0: And and that restaurateur specifically was also talking about how young chefs who might not be the traditional old boys club type chef might have unique new opportunities in this time where we're looking at equality and equity as we grow as kind of both an industry, but then also as a society. And so I don't know how you kind of encourage that or if that's something that naturally will happen. But yeah, hopefully it's not just franchisors who come in and it's the same old guard that kind of scoops all this stuff up. We were talking about AMC. AMC recently, you know, reports have been coming out talking about whether they'll declare bankruptcy, whether they'll be bought out or what. Most recently, they've said, okay, we found someone who's going to finance us with uh, restructuring some debt. The debt is convertible, and so it's a couple hundred million. And and the way it works is that if they can't pay back the debt, it converts to equity. And then this lender is going to end up owning like 30% 30 of AMC. And that's kind of what the private equity world has done for a while. That's how the private equity world ends up owning a bunch of retail companies that kind of get stripped and then uh, sold for parts, basically. And it hasn't proven to be a very good model. So I don't know what people need to do to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, hopefully landlords realize that they've been burnt by those types of larger groups time and time again. You don't have a lot of small independent people who are writing letters to their landlords saying, like Starbucks or Nordstrom, hey, we're big enough that we and we know you need us that we're not gonna pay more than 50% rent for the rest of the year. And a lot of smaller groups don't have the lawyer firepower either to fight the battles that some of those big companies have. So I don't know how that's going to play out, but I, I hope that some newcomers will, will get creative and get ambitious and, and jump in and take some of these vacancies. We we walked to the plaza this morning and let's just say there were 15 vacancies maybe. Um, and I think that probably five to seven of them were new. And that's just of the ones that we saw. That doesn't get any better between now and the end of the year, does it? I think that entirely depends on
2: the leases the plaza is willing to sign. I mean, if they're, I think there are going to be enough people out there that want an opportunity to be on the plaza. If the deal is right, um, that they would that they would sign something right now and be there. But if it's, you know, they're trying to get market rate and and to lease these spaces, then it's just not going to happen. Uh, But if they all of a sudden have a change in heart and feel the need to get these spaces filled with younger new companies that are doing percentage rent deals uh i think you could see some of those get filled up and that's just especially the plaza i was talking to someone the other day that i mean i'm the plaza is clearly going to survive this um if any retail center is going to prevail i mean i think there'd be a lot of other things that fall off before uh, the plaza does i mean it's not just a shopping center it's a tourist center i mean there's so many things going for the history uh, good or bad history but it's it's the malls and other things will certainly be quicker to fail i would imagine in the plaza do you agree with that yeah. yeah yeah and so i think that i don't know I could i could see some of those getting just because of what we're talking about with new opportunities, I could see some of those vacancies getting filled, but also new ones coming along. So maybe kind of staying where it's at from an occupancy percentage. I mean,
0: is it, is it that seasonal costume shop and then the calendar Mm -hmm. store and the game store, or is it, you know, an actual new concept that someone's trying to create, you know, so are we going to get like this fake short-term infill or do you think it's sustainable long-term infill?
1: My guess it would be more of that, that, a short-term and fill at least with, you know, <laughs> it's July now, and July is when we typically start talking about the holidays, even here at Maiden KC. And so with the holiday shopping season around the corner, I think there are some people who, who may be poised to, to jump on, whether it's their first lease and it's only a, a short-term deal um, in a place like the Plaza that still presents an opportunity to make money. Um, what's kind of interesting about the a lot of the vacancies down there is that the majority of them are um, – or were retail shops, um, to my knowledge, there's still only been one kind of major restaurant that's closed down there. Um, that is not, you know, and it's not was not surprising that they closed, whether it was due to the pandemic or not. Um, but I think that's kind of interesting to see see that mix that is still mostly mostly retail. When we've kind of been in some ways encouraged by some of the traffic we're seeing, as we discussed with the nature of the pandemic, the nature of the health issue, uh, we've seen a lot of our customers feel comfortable popping into our shop grabbing a gift um, and not spending a lot of time there. It's a typically a solo act, whereas meeting someone for coffee, a beer, or a meal is a group act, and then there's all sorts of societal health implications for for doing some of those activities, and so it is interesting to me to see, so far, more of the vacancies have been on the retail side than the restaurant side, um, at least down in the plaza and, and actually the other, other shopping centers that we're
0: into. I think that if we're at about 15, that it grows and it doubles. Uh, What we've seen close in the past three months, I think that doubles. So let's say that there were already five vacancies, now it's at 15. I think we hit 25, Um, and it might not be that the sign's been taken down, but it's that they don't reopen or that they reopen for a little bit but don't fully reopen. With a place like Oak Park Mall or another indoor shopping center like Independent Center, Do you guys think that those malls look the same way that they do now in five years? Or do you think that a whole wing gets torn down and redeveloped or sold off to become an apartment complex? Or do you think that they completely get demolished?
2: So one of the articles you sent us talks about the fall of the anchors. And so the structure of almost all malls and shopping centers are large, four or five large anchors like Nordstrom, JCPenney, Target, and then the connecting pieces between them are the smaller shops and the mall component. And so from the standpoint, like obviously the targets and those kinds of anchors are going to be in good shape, but Penney's are going away. And we'll see the future of the large department store seems to be grim. And if those are to disappear, I don't know what it feels like to go shopping in a mall, if that gets converted to a apartment, gets leveled out. But I do think, I think it'll look different from that standpoint. I think we'll see a lot of large anchors leave and that part of the mall be restructured into something different, um, but the remaining components that you think of when you think of a mall will will stay the same. I mean, as we've gotten into the mall game with the Kindred and the other Wonder Wonder, it's been a reminder of how like, convenient and smart a mall is and can be from a efficiency standpoint, a climate shopping standpoint, and I don't think that goes away, but it's going to be a matter of the retailers can stay to fill the mall and support it uh, from a budget standpoint because they're so expensive to operate. Yeah, I would agree with that. I
1: think that was the direction so many malls are already going or trying to go with filling it with more experienced type places. Maybe it's even offices or residential. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I, Outside of uh, my visits to Wonder Wonder, I've not been to a mall for, for, for shopping in a very long time, um, but I do think that there is a place for them especially with kansas city essentially only being two malls left is that kind of traditional Mm -hmm. indoor malls Uh, a metro of this size um, can certainly use them and support them Um, and they've they've kind of stood the test of time thus far
0: i've been pretty bullish on the existing malls because i feel as though all of these mall owners have shed all the poor performing assets in their portfolio and they've held on to the better malls and they've been able to inject more and more capital many um, REITs, real estate investment trusts, which own these malls actually had a really good balance sheet coming into the pandemic. But when your cash flow is completely cut by 80%, it really changes things. And so I think that um, my perspective on it has changed quite a bit and that I was very bullish. And I think that they were just dealt a, a huge blow, not necessarily a knockout blow, but Um, I think that a company that owned 20 different malls is going to have to pick and choose now. And whereas they they thought they'd already shed enough of them and that these 20 were were good enough and they had good investments in them and they were feeling new and updated, I think that they might have to let go of a few more. And so we've seen that with Nordstrom's discussion about how they already knew they had to trim a lot of their Nordstroms and they were moving into higher end, uh, higher foot traffic locations, for example, in Kansas City, moving from Oak Park Mall to the Country Club Plaza, but now Nordstrom is going to have to cut a bunch of others, and they're talking about, uh, or people are talking about bankruptcy with Nordstrom, and so that, Nordstrom's been kind of a shining example of how you can make it survive. They've innovated a lot, uh, but I think there's going to be a ton of new opportunity, and my hope is that it doesn't just turn into a world where everything is either Target, Amazon, uh, TJX brands, which is like Home Goods, TJ Maxx, et cetera. Because I feel like those are the ones that are, are really surviving, and we could easily end up in a situation where we all of a sudden have five places to shop. I also think we're the one that we haven't talked about here is how
2: cyclic, cyclical retail is in brick and mortar, and which is what all malls are. And so we had a, I think, one of the strongest fourth quarters um, from a sales standpoint in brick and mortar that we've had in a long time uh, across the board. In 2019, and that provides momentum typically for companies until the next fourth quarter. Uh, and so if the going into Keith shared an article this morning, talked about it's the end of finally, it's the end of Black Friday, so you're not going to have huge crowds, you know, going out and doing shopping in, in these centers like you used to. Uh, And that's yet to be seen or known, but I think if we go through a cycle of a fourth quarter that is significantly worse than people need it to be or anticipate it being, uh, a lot of companies will fail come Q1 of 2021 because of that momentum. So there's still, I mean, oftentimes we're at a uh, exhausting point in the retail life cycle, annual life cycle in July of like just needing to get into fourth quarter and start having higher sales numbers and companies are telling banks just give us till the end of fourth quarter we'll see if things turn around uh i think it's a common narrative and now I, i don't know if if this fourth quarter is gonna be stronger weaker if we'll have a vaccine or if you know just so many factors i think it doesn't look good for it to be better uh i can't say for sure if i think it'll be a lot worse but i think if I had to make a prediction, fourth quarter in brick and mortar will be much worse in 2020 than any year in the past 10 years.
1: Yeah, I guess that depends on how off how many of those brick and mortar stores are. You know, how much they're going to rely on e-commerce to make up for the difference, right? So, if um, we know, for example, Target had a phenomenal April in terms of e-commerce. Um, even though they were still open across the country during stay-at-home orders, and uh, if there is a company that is you know doesn't see the foot traffic they get, but you know like ours, but we have an online that can kind of carry us through. What really is fascinating me in thinking through all this is, um, I do think still six months from now our world will look and feel very different in a positive way than than where we're sitting right now. And we're talking about like this one fourth quarter coming up, or or the rest of this year, or or finally banks should get out of these leases. To me, it feels a little bit of like um, if we can just all make it through this little bit of short-term pain, the opportunity on the other side is so great. So maybe that opportunity is so great for these other people who have been pushed or sitting on the sidelines for so long waiting for their chance to start a business um, and, and step into it, or maybe that opportunity is for those people who can still hang on. It seems, going back to our landlord conversation, just thinking about how if we could, not just we as Made in KC, but, uh, but all these retail tenants... Getting a more agreeable situation with the landlords, I think the the positive for that on the other side of 2020 is so great, um, but they're just a, we didn't get that give and take that we were hoping for from a lot of our landlords to kind of ride this out, and so they'll either be pushed to do the same thing with new tenants or continue to work with existing tenants in a way that's favorable favorable for everybody.
0: Well, a few episodes ago, we talked about how. I think we're right around 30% is what we think the number of restaurants, retailers that are going to close. If we're talking about waves and, and curves, do you guys think that we're at the top of the bankruptcy curve? And again, we should note that bankruptcy doesn't mean that store is not going to exist anymore. Bankruptcy uh, can either mean liquidation or restructuring. And so many retailers will declare bankruptcy Restructure, shed a lot of their assets and reemerge as the same retailer, but with a smaller footprint and maybe a different offering. But do you guys have a sense? Are we at 25%, 50%, 75%? And as I said kind of earlier with the plaza, I think we're at about 50%. I think we'll see. I think the amount of bankruptcies we've seen announced up till now um, is half or less than half of what we'll see in this full 12-month period. I think the more important question is of that. We're at fifty
1: percent of say bankruptcies or for, or vacancies say on the the plaza. How many of those will be in case you look to fill in the in coming future in some way, shape, or form? Um, you know, I think uh, I would have uh, actually probably said at this point that we were we hit had hit rock bottom, I guess, in terms of bankruptcies. But I think with the extension of the PPP loans, I think that's going to have people ride things out a little bit a little bit longer than they normally would have, and see all right, what does. Um, what does third quarter hold for us? Can we, can we make it to the fourth quarter, um, now that PPP money has potentially been extended? So, um, with that said, I don't think we've seen, um, the amount of, the full amount that we are probably going to see, um, I would say an increase of maybe not, I don't think we're at 50%, but I think probably 25%. Um, you think we'll see 70, 70, we're we're at 75%, sorry. Yep. And that we'll see a little bit more, um as people are holding on with the extension of their PPP money, but may or may not just see the traffic that they want to see to survive the, the third quarter and, and whatnot.
2: Does that make sense? Yep. That's kind of what I'm what I'm feeling. I think so part of me thinks the companies will be patient and see how things play out um, the rest of twenty twenty. If there's another stimulus check and all that all those things. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, I think strategy wise they don't want to miss the window of getting lost in a series of news stories <clears throat> that are coming out on a daily basis. And so there's going to be some urgency from that standpoint of not wanting to be the one news story about bankruptcy um, in February of next year uh, and when everyone else has already filed it. So we're at what, July 8th? I think I agree with that 50%. I think, I think we'll see uh, over the course of... The next um, six months, uh, the same amount, if not more, happened. I do think that people have been writing out the EIDL and the, you know, they're not all going to be big public companies we are hear about, so it's hard to say how many small companies we've seen do it. But I think the bigger companies, the PPP and EIDL, was a drop in the bucket for the size of the problems that they had. And smaller companies, the EIDL and PPP, really could patch them over for four or five months, until the point where that runs out and then they realize there's no sales and then they are like, well, crap, I guess we didn't turn around. We thought we would. We have to file bankruptcy. So I think we'll see a lot of lower, smaller tier companies go that route in the next four or five months where bigger companies, the writing is on the wall. They have forecasts for the next five years, you know, already done. They have consultants, they have analysts and they're like, hey, let's just jump on this bus and file bankruptcy and and move on. So I think we'll see smaller, less headline worthy companies uh, follow. In the next six months.
0: Well, there you have it. Hopefully, that was <laughs> everything you could have ever wanted to hear about the retail industry going forward in the next six to twelve months. If you have any thoughts, any stock trade ideas, send them to us <laughs> at hello at madingkc. co or tweet us at madingkc underscore. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Later.